0: verses of Romans 8. If you'd like to use a Bible from the church, there should be one right there in front of you in the pew rack. You could grab that and turn to page 944, otherwise known as Romans chapter 8. Well, I guess it would help if I'd actually turn there, telling you what to do, and I didn't do it my own self. These are God's words for us this morning. And as we begin, here's what what God says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law Uh, "...weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit." For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, and, but those who live according to the Spirit set their mind, minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind set uh, um, uh, on the flesh is hostile to God, For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but You may be seated. Thank you, Father, for your word. There's no word like your word. And we're thankful that we could have such a treasure as in your word. Help us, Father, now by the same Spirit of God that penned these words through the Apostle Paul. We pray that the Spirit of God would now be at work in our midst and in our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We're in the sixth week of seven weeks thinking about what the Bible teaches us concerning the Holy Spirit. We've certainly not been able to look at everything the Bible would teach us about the Holy Spirit. But we've looked at, we are looking at seven areas uh, of thought and study about what the Holy Spirit teaches. Uh, does and who the Holy Spirit is, uh, in particular, last week we considered out of John three something of how the Holy Spirit makes Christians. Uh, we we start the Christian life, and we begin the Christian journey by the very presence and power of the Holy Spirit. He He gives us, if you would, a new birth. We are born again, born of the Spirit. And now this week, I want to build upon uh, what we looked at last week. The Holy Spirit is the personal agent that accounts for how we begin our life as Christians. And now I want us to consider something about the ongoing, continual power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives as He now works to mature us as Christians. You see, the, the new birth that we talked about last week, being born of the Spirit, is massive, massive. It's like a whole new work of creation exploding in our own hearts and souls. The Spirit of God imparts new spiritual life into us where there was once just spiritual death. The Holy Spirit gives us new hearts. Uh, a a, a whole new outlook. The Holy Spirit transfers us to a whole new realm of existence uh, in which there's a whole new regime change um, operating within our own hearts and souls. And so this whole new work and realm uh, is, is what accounts for not just how we begin our lives as Christians, but now how as we will continue our lives as Christians. Two things I want us to look at this morning. They're in, they're in the insert. The two points are, if it's helpful to pull that out and follow along in that way. But um, uh, as we consider what the Holy Spirit does to mature us as Christians, I want us to see, first of all, we now live in a whole new realm because of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, I want us to see something of how our our lives are now reshaped, being reshaped, maybe is a better, more precise way of putting it, because of the Holy Spirit. We now live in a whole new realm. The Apostle Paul wrote to the, church, to the churches in Galatia, and he said something interesting in chapter 3. He says, "'O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you?' In other words, who has fooled you, you fools? Here's what he, mean by, here's what he says by that in verse 3 of chapter 3. "'Having begun by the Spirit, "'are you now being perfected by the flesh?' So as we looked at last week and we noted, it's the Holy Spirit that is credited to how we begin our lives as Christians. What's well, the Holy Spirit does a work to get us started, if you would? Does he leave or does he go passive or, or, or does he become absent? Uh, what, what, what does he do? Does the Holy Spirit say, now look, kid, I got you started. It's up to you to finish this. No, the Holy Spirit who starts us in the Christian experience by giving us the new birth is, is now the same Spirit of God who is faithfully at work, present and powerfully in our lives so that we continue on as Christians and not just continue on as Christians but to develop and mature and, and make progress in the Christian life. Nineteen times in Romans chapter 8 the Holy Spirit is referenced, gives you a kind of a hint that, boy, the chapter 8 must be a lot about the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. Uh, Look at how verse 1 begins. Uh, There's just a wonderful beginning and ending to Romans chapter 8. He says there, and we just read it a while ago, but let's hit it again. Uh, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is just a wonderful, de- declarative, emphatic reality as to what is true for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And what, what as we begin the Christian life, what is now true of us is that there is no condemnation Hanging over our heads. Now that's quite a, a dramatic statement. If you just followed the whole flow of the Book of Romans and Book of Romans in chapter one, it begins by saying, "For the in verse eighteen of chapter one, it begins by saying that the the wrath of God is is being revealed against man because of the ungodliness and wickedness of mankind." When we get to chapter three, it says, it basically says, and and here's the conclusion: There are none who are righteous. No, not one. There are none. None who are good. In other words, as, as sinful creatures, what is our status before a holy God? Not good. In fact, he would say also in chapter three, for all have fallen, I mean, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's is just horrible bleak reality that stands over us in the presence of a holy God, and that is we are condemned and in deep trouble. The justice of God stands before us and we are indicted and convicted and found guilty. And yet, by the time he explains who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, he describes that because of what Jesus has done, all who belong to Jesus can now have the banner over us, there is no condemnation for us. And then when he gets to the end of chapter 8, you say, well, that's how we begin the Christian life. We begin with no condemnation. But boy, I, I have the ability to mess up even the Christian life. Well, welcome to the club. Get on here. Group hug now. Yeah, We all have the ability and the capability of messing up the Christian life. But But he says something at the end of chapter 8. Is for I am sure of this, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We begin the Christian life with a declaration of no condemnation. We have a surety of getting safely home because nothing, no one, zilch, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But the rest of Romans 8, when you move past the beginning of it, which depicts the beginning of our Christian experience, and the end of it, which depicts the 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 termination of our Christian experience. It in between is is what Romans eight is about, and you and I, most of us at least, are living in between. We have come to to grips with who Christ is, and we have we have turned to Him. Uh, we have begun the Christian life, um, and uh, and 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 yet we're not home yet. And uh, what what's going on in the middle? I as, and. And really, what I discuss next really is something that I discuss with those of us who are followers of Christ. If you're here this morning and, and you've never turned and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who took on flesh and did what none of us are capable of doing. He lived a perfect life. He fulfilled all righteousness. And, and then He went to the cross after having lived a perfect life. He went to the cross and thereby qualified to be a perfect sacrifice for sin, not His own sin. He didn't have any, but for the sins of people like you and I. There at the cross, He absorbed the justice of God, that should have been reserved for us. And that is reserved for any and all who do not belong to Jesus. But on the cross, Jesus absorbed the justice of God in in place of all who are trusting in Jesus, thereby abating the wrath of God from us. But not just abating the wrath of God, but but then we get adopted into God's family as His well-loved children. Uh, We get guaranteed an eternal life in the presence of God, and at this present moment we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And so as we have begun our Christian life by the Holy Spirit's work in us, we now can continue the Christian life because of the Holy Spirit's work in us. The Holy Spirit births us in Christ and all of the blessings and benefits that Christ has has accrued because of his perfect life and his perfect sacrifice through his resurrection, are now, they now belong to us because we belong to Christ. And one of those blessings is the Holy Spirit seals us with his indwelling presence. And that sealing of the Holy Spirit is a part of the guarantee that Christ will get each and every one of his children home safely but the Holy Spirit does more than just simply seal us into our eternal uh, um, destination in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit it gets involved in our lives at this moment, affecting change. Look at verse 2 of chapter 8. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free. There's the language of Liberation occurring here in verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. And so for all who have no longer condemnation because we're in Christ Jesus, now have liberation because of Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin in death. Now, heads up here. Um, you know, sometimes a word means different things based upon its context. Like if I was to say the word trunk, and I was to say to you, I'm not saying this, but if I say to you now, blurt out what I mean by the word trunk, uh, it, it, we could have various and sundry um, Meanings thrown out at me. You could say we're talking about the nose of an elephant or we're talking about the, the back of your car, the the, uh, the lid of your the, the back of your car or we're, we're talking about a, a big piece of luggage or uh, if you're a computer guru, the word trunk means something altogether different in the computer world. In other words, in other words um, it, it, there's the word trunk and then you would put it in a sentence or a context that would tell you, oh, I mean this meaning by the word trunk. Well, he Here in chapter 8, the word law means a couple of different things. So in verse 2, where it says, The law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The word law in in verse 2, it's going to mean something different in verse 4. But in verse 2, the word law means something like um, authority or or, um, uh, governing principle um, or, or, or authority or power. So in other words, he's saying that that for for the authority or the power of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the power or the authority of the law of sin and death. You see, that's what I'm getting at when I say that the Holy Spirit puts us in a whole new realm. If we belong to Jesus, not only do we have uh, no condemnation uh, before us, But we also are no longer in the realm of existence, the the, the law, the power, the authority of sin and death that we once were. We, We now live in the realm or the authority or the power of the spirit of life. We've been liberated from sin and death. We've been liberated for and or unto and by the spirit of life. You begin to see, what's the Holy Spirit doing to mature us as Christians? The first thing he's done is he's unshackled us from our captivity, from our enslavement, from our bondage, from our addiction to sin and death. And he's, and he's brought us into a new realm where we, we, we now live in the existence, the, the life of the Spirit. And uh, the uh, outcome of that, which we're going to look at here in, in, in just a moment, but the outcome is found in verse 4. Uh, and, and here's the other Used to the term law here in verse four, um, in order that the righteous requirement of the law, and here what he means by law in verse four is is what you maybe would more typically think law meaning like commands or the Mosaic law or the commands of god so 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 we've been we've been placed in a whole new realm of, a, of power and authority the life of the spirit why we 've been liberated from the, the realm of sin and death why why in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, worked out, accomplished in us who walk. Not according to the flesh, which is akin to the realm of sin and death, but we now uh, uh, walk according to the spirit. That is the realm of the of the spirit of life. So, so we have been released. We've been set free. We now live in a new realm, and we live in this new realm because because the Spirit of God now lives inside of us. That's what he is getting at when you skip down to verses 9, 10, and 11. You, however, are not in the flesh. You're no longer in that realm. You, you are no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Anyone who does not have uh, the, 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 the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit indwells us, and by indwelling us, the Spirit has caused us to now be able to exist and live and walk in a whole new kind of or a whole new realm of existence. Second point, our lives are now being reshaped because of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the first point was really what's the Holy Spirit done to mature us as Christians? Well, He's He's indwelt us and placed us in a whole new realm. Well, okay, so what does that look like? Uh, how are we being reshaped because we are indwelt by the Spirit and we now live in a whole new realm? Well, I've alluded to that there in in verse 4, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. So first of all, and I'm going to just give two, um, I could give more, and uh, it, and 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 yet I know what you're going to do, you're going to get fixated on what the other ones are. Just, hey, look here, focus. Let's uh, focus on the two that I'm going to get. Last week, I mentioned that there were six reliable signs, and I only gave three, and all week long, I took flack, but well, what's the other ones? I ain't going to tell you. So, uh, so th- this... Week, especially acting like that, I'm not going to tell you, but anyway. uh, But this week, we're going to look at two ways that the text orients us to how we are being reshaped because we live in a new realm. The first is verse 4 The outcome of living in a new realm and dwelt by the Holy Spirit is we are becoming a lawful people, that's the measure of our maturity. What is the Holy Spirit doing to mature us as Christians? The Holy Spirit is powerfully at work in us. That as we focus upon Jesus, we are empowered by not our own strength, not our own flesh, not our own abilities, but we are empowered by the very talent and abilities and strength and power and regime change of the Holy Spirit himself we become lawful people now the scripture gives us a a couple of almost interchangeable ways to describe this notion of maturation we become lawful people. Uh, another way that uh, is, it's described by the Apostle Paul elsewhere, like in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, is we are, uh, not only that, the, the benchmark becomes not just the notion of we become lawful people, but there's a name and a face put to the outcome of our maturity. We become like Christ. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So there, here we are talking about liberation again. The outcome of liberation in Romans chapter 8 is we become lawful people. The outcome of liberation in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. So as we behold the glory of Jesus, the Spirit of God is is metamorphosing us, changing us, transforming us into that same image from one degree of glory to another. In other words, a little bit at a time. A little bit incrementally, progressively. In other words, as we behold Jesus, the Spirit of God, works change, transformational change into us. So from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, So what's the outcome of living in a new realm? The outcome is we become a lawful people. What's the outcome of living in the new realm, we become a lawful people who look more and more ever increasingly like the Lord Jesus Christ. And and the the two are perfectly compatible because if there was ever a lawful person that walked the face of this earth, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is ever a man who has fully obeyed the law of God, the righteous, holy, good law of God, it was Jesus. And so to be a lawful person and to be like Jesus is, is not two different species of things. It's just two different ways of saying the same kind of thing. And, and yet, and yet by, by placing it in Christ's likeness, it reminds us that when I say being a lawful person, we're, we're, we're not simply a person who attends to the external compliance of the written code. We're, we're not content with obeying the law of God just at the point of the letter of the law. No, when God drops His Spirit in us and places us in a whole new realm, we really do want to live according to the Spirit of the Law. Or, or, or think about how how Jesus conveyed it in in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, "Now you've heard it said, you shouldn't murder. I mean, that's what the Law says, you shouldn't murder." And, and uh, hey, heads up, kids, a little a little uh, tip for the afternoon: don't go murder somebody. Uh, on the one hand, but on the one hand, though, you know, you know this. You could technically, you could technically abide by. This. That law, in other words, by the end of the day, you could say i didn 't murder anybody but but you could look at your heart, and this is where Jesus applies this but have you been sinfully angry with someone today? In fact, it, it wasn 't just today are you still sinfully angry? Are you festering that and, and letting that cultivate and and becoming embittered in your heart. We well, you know what Jesus would say. He goes, that there is called anger. It's just anger at the point of intention and heart desire and, and not anger in, in terms of a completed work yet. So to be like Christ means not simply... We don't go out this afternoon and literally kill somebody, but it also means that throughout our day, as we're tempted to be angry at somebody, we, we, the Spirit of God will help us to deal with that. Or, or being a lawful people who look more and more like Jesus, really what we're talking about is that we are ever increasingly becoming a virtuous people. And and, and I know in our broader culture, uh, notions of true virtue have fallen way by the wayside. They are deemed irrelevant to a a sophisticated and edumacated society. But for you and I who name the name of Jesus, who live in a different realm, who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, we are the people who would be leaning into how can we cultivate and display the characteristic virtues of of our Lord Jesus Christ. How can we be a people who would display, as Paul would say in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. You see, we, we become a lawful people because we ever increasingly look like Jesus, because we ever increasingly are displaying the very virtues that, that, that causes us to be a lawful people, not simply because we do the law, but because we truly do become lawful by virtue of our character development. Second, though, quickly, not just reshaped and being lawful, but being reshaped in terms of we now have a whole new mindset, a whole new orientation. And that jumps us into verse 5 where he says, for, um, uh, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. L- literally, again, t- verse 4, by the way, is not a command. It's just a statement. If we, if we connect the dots, what he's told us already is that we've already been moved from one realm of existence, the realm of the flesh, the realm of sin and death, and, and we've been moved into the realm of the Spirit, the, the realm of, of, of righteousness and life and Peace. And what he's saying is that how, how, but how do I know that I'm, I'm actively oriented in this new realm? Not just that I'm a lawful person, uh, but my whole new way of looking at myself and God and everything else has now been altered and is being altered and is being reshaped. I can't think of anything the way I used to think about something. The Spirit of God has put me in a new realm and therefore the my mindset is differently, is is, is different. I, I, I now think different. I now have different affections. I, I, I am now inclined and interested in different choices. Why? Because I live in a new realm. And that new realm affects not just my, my point of behavior, the way I live my life, but it but affects the point at which I think and, and look at everything. I now exist with a spiritual mindset and not a fleshly mindset what does that mean what does that mean what part of what it means to have a whole nother way of thinking a whole nother mindset is um, is that we don't we we don't we ever increasingly don't know how to have a thought without including the lord into that thought I mean, apart from the Spirit of God indwelling us and, and putting us in a whole new realm, do you, know, do you know who the supreme object of our thoughts were apart from Jesus? Moi. N- not not, no, well, you answered that for you. In other words, you don't think of me all the time. I don't mean it that way. Uh, you better not think of me all the time. You need to get a life. But, uh, but we think about ourselves all the time. We, we're, totally, we're totally consumed with uh, the orientation of ourself. That, that is the outcome of a fleshly mindset. And if that ain't, uh, the, uh, uh, if that ain't the life of, of sin and death, if that ain't a dead-end street, I don't know what is. But the Spirit of God indwells us the spirit of God puts us in a new realm, and we begin to have different levels of thoughts and different orientation to our thinking. And 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 now it's 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 not all. It shouldn't be altogether odd for us to be thinking and saying, "How is the Lord at work in the circumstances of my life? Or um, what is the Lord doing in my life at this moment? Or How am I being sensitive to and responsive to what the Lord is doing in me at this moment? Or how are my thoughts uh, reflecting or rejecting the Lord? How are my emotions reflecting or rejecting the Lord? How are my choices reflecting or rejecting the Lord? Or how can I honor the Lord in this situation? Or How can I most glorify the Lord in my life today. Uh, How uh, mindful am I of the propriety of expressing gratitude to the Lord at this moment? On the other hand, how mindful am I of the impropriety of expressing grumbling and complaint before the Lord at this moment? How am I actively conscious uh, and of, of the goodness of the Lord in my life at this moment? How alert am I today of today's agenda consisting of service to the Lord and not service to myself? How, 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 what kind of fruit am I bearing in my life today? Am I bearing the fruit of life and peace or am I bearing the fruit of death through the deeds of the flesh? You see, see do, do we ever catch ourselves having thoughts as we interact with our situations, our relationships, our lives? And, and we, we seem to be ever increasingly incapable of having thoughts that just revolve around ourselves. We've been given a new nature and we live in a new realm. And as a result of that, 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 that the Spirit keeps pressing into our lives and, and, and it keeps inserting the Lord into our lives. That the, the Spirit is ever influencing our minds by orienting our lives around the Lord. Or is our mindset still fleshly, as he would describe in verses 6 and 7 and 8 for to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God You see we we don't we don't live in the same realm that we used to live in we don't live in a realm of hostility toward God for it does not submit to God's law. We don't live in that realm anymore. We don't live in a realm that, that we are unwilling to submit to God's law. That we are rebellious against God's law. We live in a realm that we are eager and interested and inclined to uh, uh, obey and submit to God's law. It goes on to say, for those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When we're in the flesh, we don't please God. And you know what? We don't really give a lick if we do or not. But by contradistinction, to live life in the realm of the Spirit means that we have an entirely different mindset. We don't have a mindset of hostility toward God, we love God, we adore Him. We worship Him, we want to serve him, we want to ever trust him we, 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 we don 't come at the law of God with a with a, a hostility or a, a a unwillingness to submit. We come to the to the law of God and we say, "I want to do that my, May my delight be in the law of God. We come to the Lord wanting to please him, not please ourselves. you see the the degree of our Spirit mindfulness is a reflection of our spiritual condition. It's a reflection of the Spirit's presence to mature us and to grow us. And it's a reflection of the influence and vibrancy of the Spirit. And how are we influenced by the Spirit? We are influenced by the Spirit when we fill our minds with the Spirit's words. And where do we find the Spirit's words? In the words that the Spirit penned for us in His holy word. Verse 9 You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Any and all who belong to Jesus this morning have not only been made Christians by the Spirit, but we now, in a new realm of existence, Are being matured by the Spirit because we are we are now our our, our whole regard for the law of God is being reshaped, and our whole ability to think and to orient our lives is being reshaped. The law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us in your Son, by your Spirit. We thank you that all who belong to Jesus are now being remade into the very image and likeness of Jesus. We're thankful, Father, that that filters down into the way we live our lives. We thank you that that filters into the way we even think about our lives. So, Father, by your Spirit because of the presence of Jesus, stir in our hearts this day, this week, that we would be mindful of the things of the Spirit, that we would be mindful of the precious Word of God, that we would be mindful of our beautiful, majestic, wonderful Savior, Jesus. For we pray these things in His name. Amen. Let's stand.